This is a Rooster Teeth production. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special supplemental edition of Black Box Down. We're doing something a little bit different today. Normally, you know, in this podcast, we like to dig into airline incidents and uh, talk about what happened and what the industry learned and why uh, flying is safer overall as a result of it. Uh, but this week, Chris and I, oh, Chris is here. Hi, Chris. Hello. We're going to talk about experiences that we've had firsthand while flying. You know, we I, I've never been in uh, a crash or any sort of serious incident. I don't think you have either, Chris. No. But I think we've both flown plenty and we've seen uh, lots of stuff throughout uh, the years we've been flying. I have some weird airport airplane stories is what it comes down to. Yeah. But again, I feel like I say this every episode. Neither of us are pilots. We don't know how to fly planes. These are stories of things that have happened to us while we've been passengers uh, on planes and traveling. Also, uh, this episode might have a couple more explicit things than normal just because we're telling real life stories. So just as a fair warning, there is a little more explicit stuff than normal. Uh, Even before, you know, with my current job, I travel quite a bit. Well, you know, excluding 2020, I have traveled quite a bit with this job. And even before this job, uh, my previous job was um, a travel job. I spent five days out of the week traveling around the United States. Uh, So I've been flying pretty frequently for over 20 years now at this point, probably like 21 years or so. Uh, And I've accumulated quite a few stories in that amount of time. And I've flown a good bit, a lot for work. Um, But I, I just think I have weird stuff happen to me. I think a lot of like experiencing weird things Half of it is just being aware mm-hmm. and noticing what's going on. I think, you know, it's easy to ignore things or miss things that are going on if you're not paying attention. Yeah. But uh, when I started my last job, like I said, it was a it was a traveling job. I spent five days out of the week on the road, uh, which, by the way, I was young at the time. And I thought that it would be a good way to travel and uh, see the country. And uh, I quickly learned that all I got to see were airports in my hotel room. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. It's uh, when you travel for work like that, you you don't get to see very much of the cities you go to. You end up seeing a lot of airports. So I've seen quite a few airports. But um, when I started that job, uh, there were a few people who'd been there a little longer than me who gave me some some great advice, which I still pass on to people nowadays, which is you should absolutely sign up for a frequent flyer account. Even if you don't think you fly that much, it's free to sign up for one. Mm-hmm. And the miles stay good for, you know, depending on the airline, a year or two. So if, even if you're going to fly only once every year or two, there's no reason not to do it. You're going to fly and who knows, maybe if you fly often enough, you might get a free flight eventually. Yeah. Even if you only fly once a year, doesn't hurt to sign up. Uh, it adds up over time. That's my airline shill portion of the podcast. <laughs> sign up for a frequent flyer account with whatever airline you like to fly with. Uh, not that's out of the way. I'm, I'm a little bit older, Chris. I, I started uh-huh. flying before September 11th. I have like my previous job yeah. was pre 9-11. So I have quite a bit of experience with flying back then in the old days. Uh, but one time I remember I was, uh, this I was not actually flying this time. I was going to go uh-huh. pick up a friend of mine at the airport. I was living in Houston at the time. And a friend of mine was flying into Houston Intercontinental Airport. And uh, I was going to go pick them up. And back then you could walk up to the gate. I remember that as a kid, yeah. being able to walk up to the gate. So uh, I, I parked my car. I, I got out. I was at the Houston airport. And I was going through security. You still have to go through security. And mm-hmm. I was going through the metal detector. And I forgot that I had left a pocket knife in my pocket. And I was like, oh, no. So I get to security uh-huh. and I have to, you have to empty your pockets. I put the knife on the thing. And I told security agent, I'm like, listen, I'm not flying today. I'm just here to pick someone up. 
is it okay if I just keep the knife with me? I don't want to have to go all the way back to my car because it's really far to get back to the parking garage. And security guard's like, yeah, sure, here, go ahead, take it. So, <laughs> How big of a knife was it? You know those Leatherman tools? Uh-huh. That's like kind of like a fancy, well, not fancy. It's like a glorified Swiss Army knife. It was one of those. It's got like the knife and the saw blade and the scissors and all that stuff. You had multiple blades with you. <laughs> right. Yeah, so it's like, can I please just take it with me? I don't want to have to take it all the way back to my car. You know, he's like, yeah, yeah, of course, I understand. Yeah, it was, wow. It, it's so weird to think about nowadays where he was just so willing to quickly let me through with, uh, with no problem and go through security with a knife. So this happened to me probably three years ago. I went through security and then I think I was, for whatever reason, I had to go through security again. I don't know if it was international or something, but I had to go back through security. It was the same day and I went through it and they're like, sorry, sir, we need to take the knife out of your back. And I was like, I don't have a knife in my back. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. What knife? And she's like, no, there's there's a knife in your bag. And I was like, let me see. And so she shows me the x-ray screen. I'm like, that's a knife. <laughs> Unmistakably a knife. And then I'm like, but I don't know why there would be a knife. That, and, and I go through it. And I find this like, it wasn't like a super sharp knife. It was like more like a kind of dull kind of butter knife kind of knife. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. But it was a knife in my backpack. We filmed something and... For whatever reason, I'd put a knife in my backpack to take home, and I forgot about it for, like, months. And then when I packed, I just packed everything with a knife in my backpack. And then went through <laughs> security once. No one stopped me. And the then the second, second time. time. Yeah. It would have been funny if you had a bigger, sharper knife in your pocket, and you looked at the x-ray machine, and you said, <laughs> that's not a knife. This, this is a knife. Is a knife. <laughs> <laughs> just got full crocodile dundee on it. Uh, uh, it it's like security's strange to me, right? Like, I, I feel like a lot of people... Uh, are of the opinion that it's like a theater of security that, you know, it may not necessarily catch everything or it's there to make you feel better, but who knows how effective it really is, right? Yeah. What is your worst airport security, like, holdup? This wasn't necessarily a bad holdup, but this is more of like an unusual encounter I had with security. Several years ago, I was flying down to Australia. I think I was flying from Austin to melbourne i think anyway mm -hmm. regardless it was a long flight so when you fly there from austin you have to connect somewhere right so i'd flown mm -hmm. from austin to los angeles then i was uh i had to change terminals to the international terminal in los angeles and like you said you have to go through security again yeah so i was waiting in the security line to go through um security to get to the international terminal so i could go to my gate and i'm standing in line it's kind of a long line and you know i'm a little annoyed it's, it's not like i have a tight connection or anything it's just i'm annoyed uh -huh. i have to stand there and uh as I'm getting closer to the front, like where the, the screening is, I notice there's like a commotion. There's like something going on, a few people in front of me, and like a guy's acting weird. Then all of a sudden, he just bolts and runs through through the security what? checkpoint. Like through towards the planes or away? Right. Like, oh. he, yeah, from the non-secure area through to the secure area. And then all the TSA agents start, start freaking out. And uh, one of them screams something. I, and I, I'm not sure what he screams. And I think I hear him scream, bomb, bomb, bomb. Oh. Yeah. And I'm, I'm standing in the security line with my wife. And uh, I turn to her and I ask, did he yell bomb, bomb, bomb? Or did he yell run, run, run? And then I paused for a second and I said, wait, I guess either way we shouldn't be here, right? <laughs> Uh, and, and like, like everyone went crazy. Like all these agents started streaming out of offices and like everyone started running in all different directions. Uh, but it turns out it was a training exercise. Oh my God. Uh, and I guess like the person who ran through was someone that they hired to like test security. And, uh, it was just a 
I just happened to be standing right there when the guy ran through and, and did their security test. Uh, but it was crazy. it was a little unnerving to go through right before yeah. getting on like a 15-hour flight. I can't imagine. I mean, I guess they have to do that kind of stuff. But I just seem, it just seems like it's one of those things that would cause panic. And you know how it's against the law to like scream fire? Right. It's like... It almost seems like it should be illegal, but I understand why they have to do testing. Well, if it makes you feel any better, none of the passengers reacted at all. <laughs> Everyone who was in line just kind of was like looking around in a confused manner. And I, I admit, I was one of them. We, you don't know how to react in that situation. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, like I had the presence to try to clarify. What did he say? And then realize, <laughs> wait, regardless, either of those aren't good. Like, yeah. oh, we, we shouldn't be here. <laughs> Did they make an announcement? Uh, yeah, afterwards, like the guy came back and uh, then TSA was like, it was a training exercise, everyone. It's okay. Everyone like, give a round of applause for <laughs> yeah. uh, Octavio for you know, like for his great performance. Very you know. convincing performance. He'll be passing around a hat if you all want to yeah. uh, take the performers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's probably the strangest encounter I had with, uh, with security. I've had a couple. There was one time uh, I was flying to Canada I was working on a commercial and it was with another Rooster Teeth employee. And I remember he goes to me, he's like, okay, just, he, he gave me some sort of advice about like how, to, because here's the deal. We were going to work on a commercial for a U.S. company, but it was for a video game that had the developer in Canada. And so our we didn't need a work visa because we were working for a U.S. company. But we had to go to Canada to do it. Because they had that's where the software that's was. Where the you had software to go use was. that software. Right. Because it wasn't out yet. And so the other coworker was like, tell them this, because we don't want to get down this rabbit hole. And I told them that, but then they asked me a follow-up question. Whatever I he's like, I just said I'm going to, you know, uh I don't remember exactly. I, anyway, I messed I, I think I messed it up because they asked me a follow-up question that I wasn't prepared for. So then I start trying to explain it, and then we both end up pulled into like the little room uh-huh. you know what i mean the little yeah. room like the all like the the, the, the double-sided uh mirror and then we're like sitting there for like five hours and then they keep coming up and asking us and we're trying to explain that we're not we don't have a work visa but we don't need a work visa because we're going to canada to work for a u.s company right after like five hours and sh- trying to show a lot of emails we eventually got out that sucked. They understood. Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. Well, at least you got out, right? Like they didn't claim you needed a visa and they didn't force you back to the United States. At least you were able to explain that what you were doing was legal and fine. Yeah. And then there was another time where I was in L.A. with some, It was another work trip. There were a handful of us, but we ended up uh, we were flying out on a Sunday because we I think we ended up staying an extra for the weekend just to um, an extra day to go to the beach. And we ended up being at the beach a little too late. So we had to like rush directly from the beach to the airport. And we're in line and there's like three of us. And first person goes through, we see them. I see them getting like stopped and like searched, like aggressively searched. And then me and my other friend were like laughing, like "Ah, they got like random selected. Mm -hmm. Then my other friend went through and then he got selected and is getting searched. And then I go through and they're like aggressively searching me. And the, I'm like, what is going on? They're like, do you, you have materials on you that are some, do you have a bomb or are you working with a bomb? Whoa. And I was like, no, no. It's like, well, what, what, like you're coming. And then like, you know, the little thing that they wipe on you. Yeah. Yeah. And they scan it. Yeah. It kept going off and it's like, beep, beep, beep. it's like, we, you, what, do we, what have you been doing today? And I was like, nothing. I mean, I'm. 
like, and I was dr- kind of drunk too. <laughs> Great. We've been, been at the beach, like drinking, and, and we're like, oh my God, we're going to miss our flight. What time is it? You know, like, so, uh, and I'm like, no, no, like, I, I was, I'm just, you know, here for, I was doing some work. And then we went to the beach and wait, and they're like, wait, what did you do? They're like, yeah, I went from, went to the beach. Like, look, I, I, like, I'm wearing my swimsuit. You're like, you came directly from the beach. In your swim, like yeah, it's like okay, it's the sand. The sand's picking up. The sand is explosive. Something that was in the sand was setting off their sensors. Weird, like we because we were just laying in the sand all day, and then like it was picking up as like this is a an element that is also maybe used in explosive devices. Huh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> One time I was uh, flying into London. Mm-hmm. I think this was shortly before the 2012 London Olympics, uh, so maybe security was a little tighter. And when you're going through customs at Heathrow, there's like a, you go through a long line and if you, it's, I guess it's like this at a lot of places, you know, you go through and they have like those metal bars set up. You got to like zigzag a whole bunch uh, in line and then eventually you get up to the, uh, the border guard who like uh-huh. looks over your passport and stamps it, right? Well, I was uh, in that long line waiting because of course, you know, when a bunch of planes arrive, you end up having to wait behind a bunch of people. And, you know, I was working my way through this uh, snaking uh, queue and I realized that you know, I'm in one section of the queue and then off to my left, there's another section of the queue. But between those two sections, there's like a third section. It's like a holding area where it's like there's people sitting down in there and it's not like it's locked or anything. They're just like sitting down on benches and there's like a little gate. And I guess it's like where people who were being detained for secondary question were being held like before they got taken to a room. Wait, for what? Like if there was in like some kind of discrepancy on their passport or something. Uh-huh. I don't know. Right. But there were, there were people sitting in there. And as I'm waiting in line, one of the border guards or one of the officers comes up, goes into that little holding area, and he starts screaming at one of the people oh. in there that's in the holding area. And he's like, why are you lying to me? You've already been uh, removed from uh, this country before. Why are you trying to sneak back in? Oh, my God. We have documentation. And I was like, why are they screaming at him out here? Like, like what's going on? <laughs> I have no idea what was happening. But, I mean, he was just like nonstop screaming at this guy, asking why he was lying and what his real reasons were for trying to come into the country. And, what? like, I... I felt really uncomfortable. I was like, I don't want to be here. Like, I, I just want to get my passport stamped and go into London. Oh, my God. That's like, I guess, good cop, bad cop. But like in front of everyone is bizarre. But it made me also wonder, it's like, if that was just staged to make other people afraid. Oh, like, yes, sir. I probably <laughs> like is another like they have an actor who they just like, all right, we're going to go do the yell thing. Make sure everyone's, you know, like or if it makes, knows to, make, to make people in line nervous who might be trying to sneak in. Yeah. So, yeah, I have no idea what the story behind that was. Just I, I remember very vividly uh, them yelling at one man in that little holding area. Jeez. But um, focusing more on things on the plane, I've had a, a, a couple of funny experiences. Like I said, I've been traveling a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when you travel a lot and you have, you know, frequent flyer status, you you sometimes get bumped up to like business class or first class. And I remember one of the very first times that ever happened, I was still at my old job years ago. I had boarded the plane. And I was in the first row. I think it was my first time ever being in the first row of the plane. You know, right when yeah. you walk into the plane, it's like immediately there. That was where I was sitting. And uh, I think they were getting close to finishing boarding the plane. And uh, the cockpit door was open. And, you know, they're still going through their checks. We haven't pushed back yet. The, the, the main door, the cabin door is still open, but the cockpit door is still open. And I can hear the, the pilot and the co-pilot going through their checklist, you know, getting ready to take off. And uh, they get to the point where they, they're taking the plane off of ground power and switching it over to the APU, which we've talked about before, the auxiliary mm-hmm. power unit, which powers the plane. And uh, when they do that, all the electrical in the plane dies. Like all the lights go off, everything turns off. 
Like it obviously it didn't work, right? Uh-huh. And I just hear the pilot go, shit. <laughs> and the, the flight attendant really fast runs up to the front and closes the cockpit door. <laughs> it was just like this was my, I think it was my first time one of my first times up there and my first time in that first row. And I got to hear the pilot curse. Oh man. Did they turn back on eventually? Yeah, like- yeah. After the, and then everything's off for a little while, but then after a couple of minutes, everything came oh not even not even a couple of minutes, maybe after less than a minute, everything comes on just fine. But I just thought it was it was a really funny uh thing to happen. How did you choose which internet service provider to use? The sad thing is most of us have very little choice because ISPs operate like monopolies in the regions that they serve. They then use this monopoly power to take advantage of customers, data caps, streaming throttles, the list goes on. But worst of all, many ISPs log your internet activity and sell that data to other big tech companies or advertisers. To prevent ISPs from seeing my internet activity, I protect all of my devices with ExpressVPN. So what is ExpressVPN? It's a simple app for your computer or smartphone that encrypts all your network data and tunnels it through a secure VPN server so that your ISP cannot see any of your activity. Just think about how much of your life is on the internet. Sadly, every site you visit, video you watch, or message you send gets tracked by ISPs or other tech giants who can then sell your information for profit. That's the reason I recommend ExpressVPN as the best way to hide your online activity from your ISP. You just download the app, tap one button on your device, and you're protected. And ExpressVPN does all of this without slowing your connection. That's why it's rated the number one VPN service by CNET and Wired. So stop handing over your personal data to ISPs and other tech giants who mine your activity and sell off your information. Protect yourself with a VPN I trust to keep me private online. Visit expressvpn.com slash blackboxdown. That's expressvpn.com slash blackboxdown to get three extra months for free. Go to expressvpn.com slash blackboxdown right now to learn more. What is the worst passenger that you've been next to? I oh, uh, So this isn't necessarily the worst. How about a weird passenger? That works. One time I was flying. I believe I was flying. I don't know why I always have to say the cities. Does it doesn't matter where I was flying? I was flying. And uh, I was in an aisle seat. Uh-huh. Across the aisle from me in the same row was a family. I, I, like a mother, a father, and uh, a kid, right? Mm-hmm. And... The weird thing about them was when they all got on the plane, they all took their shoes off. So they were in bare feet, which I guess some people do that, right? And long flights, like international. This wasn't a super long flight. This was, oh God, I'm going to say, this is from Sydney to Brisbane. So you know, uh, like two hours, maybe, if that. So they took all their shoes off, but then they started like, you know how when you hold hands with someone, you kind of like lock your fingers together? Uh-huh. They started doing that, but with their feet. And their what? hands and their feet, yeah, like they were what they were holding feet together, like their toes intertwined, right. or just feet rest, like their toes intertwined. Oh, and also sometimes their fingers and toes intertwined. What? Yeah, amongst all three of them, and, and like it's 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 not. I mean, it's just so it was so weird to see, and I kept wanting to stare, but I obviously I don't want to be rude. It's like I, they're not doing anything inappropriate. It's just maybe a little weird. Weird. Yeah, and uh, I just I. I I, to this day, I don't know why they were doing that. And how long did they do it? I mean, they did it for most of the flight. Huh? When they came by to give out drinks and stuff, did they like... Uh, I don't remember. They must have stopped at that point. I think they used uh, their hands for the for drinks. Not their toes. Not their yeah. toes, not, not their feet. What about you? Have you ever had any bad passengers? Well, okay. I don't think it's that weird to take your shoes off during a, um, a long flight. And this was a situation where I had taken my shoes off. And there was a kid like behind me who kept tickling me <laughs> like and he would like crawl under and tickle my feet or like 
reach around and like tickle and i was first i was like trying to be i was like ah ha, ha, like playing with the kid mm-hmm. but he kept tickling me and he wouldn't stop and it was a long flight and at one point i was like trying to sleep and then he'd get woken up because he was tickling my feet how old was he he must have been like four or five or something okay. i don't know like i thought you were gonna say like 30 yeah <laughs> yeah it was a younger kid to where i was like i mean i guess he doesn't know any or maybe maybe i was like I played around a little too much initially because it was like a little kid. Yeah. But then he just kept tickling me. I was like, all right, stop now. And his parents like, didn't stop him? I, I don't, I guess not. I, I don't know <laughs> if they were even aware. I, I remember looking back and being like, okay, I'm going to take a nap now. And then they, and like, he just didn't get it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you ever run into people that you were on the flight with outside of that flight? No, I don't think so. I've had that happen to me twice. One time I was flying from Austin to Sydney and I was flying from Austin to San Francisco, then San Francisco to Sydney. On the Austin flight, uh, I got on and I was sitting down and I noticed it was a family who got on as well. And the only reason they stood out to me was because it was, it was a mother, a father and two children. The only reason they stood out to me was because the mother and father were engaging in one of those quiet fights, you know, where they're like oh. really mad at each other, but like mm-hmm. whisper yelling at each other. Uh, it's like, fine, whatever, you know, there's traveling, it's stressful. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to fault him for that. Whatever's going on, I'm sure it's a stressful situation. Uh, and then we get up to like cruising altitude, and actually no, even before we take off, like the the mother of the family has sheets and pillows like in Ziploc bags, and she's like taking them out and telling like her family, her kids, not to take any pillows or use the blankets on the plane. Which again. I understand. Like, those things are dirty. You don't know how often they're washed. Like, she obviously brought her own thing so that, you know, they wouldn't have to use it. And uh, then, you know, she gets, like, the disinfectant wipes and she starts wiping all of their, you know, tray tables and their seats and their armrests down to try to make everything as clean as possible for them. Which at the time seemed strange, but now, you know, in light of the pandemic, like, I mean, man, she was really on top of things. And uh, when we're in the flight, you know, they come around asking if you want food or drinks. And uh, she says no for everyone in her family. And she busts out her own snacks and drinks. Like she doesn't want them touching anything on the plane. Like she's prepared. She's got everything for them. And I think, wow, that woman's really prepared. So we're on the same flight from Austin to San Francisco. I get off the plane in San Francisco, um, get on my flight from San Francisco to Sydney. Then, you know, after I get out of the airport at Sydney, I have to get in a cab, take a cab to the hotel. You know, when you land, when you fly in that direction, when you land in Sydney, you land really early in the morning. So it's like seven in the morning or something. And I have to take a cab from the airport to my hotel and you get to the hotel. And since it's so early, you normally can't check in. So I'm just trying to get there to like drop my bags off and you know get my name on the list. And I go through that process and I'm going to go walk around and kill some time. And I turn around from the front desk to leave the hotel. And that same family from the Austin flight is walking in the front door of the hotel. Oh, it's like I had not seen them since the flight from Austin to San Francisco, but apparently they were on my flight to Sydney as well. And when we got to Sydney, they were staying at the exact same hotel I was. Or were they still whisper fighting? <laughs> no, the, the fight was over because, you know, by that point, it's like 24 hours later. It's like, I told you, you need to bring your own pillows. Why didn't you bring your own pillow? Like, we only have, now we only have four instead of five. Um, but another time it happened here more recently, I was fl- again, I was flying to London. No, I take it back. It was Austin to Houston, then Houston to London. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on the Houston to London leg, and I was sitting next to a stranger, right? You know, I didn't yeah. know the woman sitting next to me. And we didn't really talk to each other the entire flight. And uh, finally, you know, we're coming into land in London, like the last couple of minutes. We just exchange a couple of pleasantries, like, okay, you know, whatever. Uh, nice flying next to you, blah, 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 whatever. And um, we both leave that plane, go our separate ways. I leave London Heathrow, and I, what did I do? I took... The train to Paddington Station, then at Paddington Station, I take a different train, and I got to my hotel. I check into my hotel. Uh, I'm able to get in my room, so I go up, I drop my bags off, go to the bathroom, and um, 
leave the hotel and I decide I'm going to go get something to eat. I walk away from the hotel. I go get on a train because I'm going to go to a different part of London. Uh, I, I get in the train. I sit in it. And right as the doors are about to close, someone comes in, like holds the doors and like jumps in at the last second. Uh-huh. And it's that woman I was sitting next to on the plane. It's like, we're not even near the airport. It's been an hour and a half or two hours since our flight landed. And we both end up on the same train. Like she like hops on. We lock eyes with each other. And I said, I, I immediately said, I'm, I'm not following you. I was on the train first. <laughs> I, I, I was here before you got off. <laughs> and she just laughed. <laughs> That's what they always say, though. The stock. Because <laughs> imagine how creepy You're that would following be. Following, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want her to think like I was stalking her through the city or some some Jesus. weird thing. Oh, I had one time. Okay, this was quite a few years back. We had just filmed, uh, I think, the Gauntlet season two, and this is like a video game competition show we made back in like I don't know what 2013 maybe. And I was flying, I think, to Vegas. Right before I was getting my flight, I was talking to Bernie Burns, and he was telling me about this other video game competition show that was working with video game designers to like, it was like a live stream, but then it completely fell apart as a live show. And then just like the, the guests on it like quit because they were being treated really badly. And it was like, maybe the director was misogynistic. I don't remember the exact details, but he was talking with me. It's like, this was another a similar type show and it just as a conversation and it went really poorly and you know, this went really well. So just like kind of talking about it. So I was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to read about this on the plane. So I like, he sent me the articles and I'm reading it. And then I also like opened up one of the contestants who had blogged about it. And I was reading this woman's blog about her experience on this, this reality competition video game show that just went really poorly and then I get to, uh, I think in Vegas, and then like bored as some, you know, got on Tinder and was just kind of like swiping, da 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 da. And I ended up matching with someone, and then I double take because the person I had matched with, I recognized. I was like, that person looks really familiar. And then they had something about in their bio about having just being on a reality TV show and mm-hmm. getting it shut down or something. That like I was like, what? I mean, I look. It was it was the woman's whose blog I was reading on the plane. <laughs> See, you'd done you'd inadvertently done research ahead of time. Yeah, and then I messaged her. I was like, "Hey, this thing that you you weren't happened to be talking about this, were you?" And she was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "I this is weird. I was just reading about that. Like the the tab is still open on my phone." <laughs> she was like, "Oh, that's crazy." And then she wasn't even in the same city as I was. She had flown out of Vegas a couple hours before I landed. Oh. Tinder will leave like a ghost trail sometimes if you don't like, I guess, like if you don't log on, it'll still think you're in that city. That makes sense. And so we had matched somehow our ghosts had, our Tinder ghosts had matched. (laughs) And it was just like this weird like coincidence thing. Yeah. Out of everyone in the world. And that's the person that, uh, that it showed you. Yeah. Like, and, and, and that we happened to not, we weren't even in the cities at the same time. And we were, you know, it's, it wasn't either city that we lived in. Yeah. That's just a, well, I mean, Vegas is kind of a nexus, but still that's really weird. Slightly changing gears here. One of the things, you know, we always talk about on the show about how safe flying is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, comparatively it's, you know, you sometimes people encounter turbulence and you can worry you think that maybe it's um it's something bad but you know people experience turbulence all the time planes go through turbulence all the time it's uh you know it's just a fact of flying 
people who are nervous flyers, I try to tell them, it's like, think of turbulence as driving down a bumpy road, right? It's like if you were oh. in your car and it's like you're bumping around, it's, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. The difference, of course, is that you're seven miles in the air. I don't tell them that part. You're seven miles yeah, in yeah. the air on a plane. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing. Just imagine you're in a car driving down a bumpy road. That's a good analogy. I mean, I, that is, is very calming. I'm like, yeah. It should be calming. It, it contextualizes it in a way that people can understand. They're more familiar with, right? Yeah. That being said, I have experienced some awful turbulence in my time. Specifically, I remember the first time I ever went down to New Zealand was the the worst turbulence I've experienced in my life. So the, that flight was uh, L.A. to Auckland. And, you know, when you're flying over the tropics and the equator, sometimes there can be bad weather. We've talked about that in a couple of episodes. And we encountered turbulence that was severe and sustained. I'm talking like two hours of just nonstop violent rocking to the point you know like before the turbulence started the pilot comes on and says you know warns everyone like it's going to be bad tells the flight attendants to you know sit down and you know strap in they lock everything up and uh i was in this really awful turbulence and i needed to pee like so (laughs) bad and i was sitting kind of towards the back of the plane it's like i could look over my left shoulders like i can i could see where the toilets are but like I don't know if I could get there. Like, it's, uh-huh. it's so bad that I don't know if I could walk. Like, I'd be knocked off my feet. So, like, I'm holding it and holding it. And like I said, this went on for a couple of hours. So, like, after an hour of just, like, holding it, I was like, I got to go. I got to make a break for it. Uh-huh. So, like, I get up and I, like, very quickly start, like, trying to make my way to the bathroom. And the flight attendants are like, you need to get back in your seat. And I was like, I'm going to pee myself. Like, I'm, like, pleading <laughs> with them. Like, I need to go. So, like, uh, you know, I, I make my way back to the bathroom. And it's really difficult. Like, I've got to sit down and I've got to, like brace myself because everything's like jostling so much and so it takes a while because i'm like i'm starting and stopping and like (laughs) trying to yeah yeah it's hard to like make your right yeah it's it's just very difficult and at the time we were traveling with uh some co i was traveling with my wife and with some co-workers and since i'm back there for a while one (laughs) while i'm trying to pee one of my co-workers leads over to my wife and says hey he's been in there for a while you should go check on him (laughs) so she goes back to check on me but uh, the flight attendants, like, she gets all the way to the back. The flight attendants make her sit down. So she, like, sits in a seat that's not hers by the toilet. <laughs> and then I leave the bathroom, but I don't see her. So I go back to my seat and I sit down and I'm like, where's my wife? And then my coworkers <laughs> are like, oh, we were worried about you. We told her to go check on you. What? And then I look back. And she's, like, sitting in the back of the plane. But we, she can't, they, they won't let her get up to come back to me because the turbulence <laughs> is too bad. So we had to spend like the next hour seated apart in really bad turbulence because I had to go to the bathroom. Uh, wait, were the people who told you to go check, were they being serious? It was one of our coworkers, Bernie Burns, who's... So probably not. Probably not. He's a bit of a jokester. So who knows if uh, he was being serious or not. I had a random run-in with Bernie one time at an airport. I got delayed for a very long time where my flight was canceled and i wasn't going to fly out for like six hours or something oh man so i go to the bar and i'm like well i don't have anything to do tomorrow and i'm stuck here all day i'm just gonna drink and you know whatever <laughs> that's that's really a, a not a very cost-effective way to drink at an airport. no but i was just like i was kind of mad because yeah my flight it wasn't my fault that i had gotten you know i was just annoyed i was like i'm stuck here i'm bored i'm gonna drink and then I was sitting next to this woman. We ended up talking and we ended up both drinking a lot. Oh, God. Then we start like flirting and we were there, like a couple hours later and we're both really drunk. And then we start making out 
Mm-hmm. And then at some point, we were like, we're making out in the middle of this airport. We decided to try and find a, a more private place. Oh, no, Chris. And then we walk around and find like a, one of those little like family bathrooms with the lock in it. Oh, no. You know? Yeah, I know. So we snuck into that. And then like a little bit later, we're getting a knock. People are knocking at the door. And so we're like, we need to get out of here. Like, it keeps knocking. And we're like, there's people at the door. What if we're going to get caught? Like, multiple people now? There's like a mob forming out there? Multiple knocks. Okay. And so she was like, we're going to get in trouble. This is supposed to be for uh, like a family or like a handicap accessible bathroom. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pretend like I was helping you. Oh, no. So... I was like, oh, okay. She's like, okay, I'll go out first, and then you come out a little bit later. And then so she goes out, and I go out, and I'm like limping. Chris. I, I, I know. This is awful. I'm limping. And then as I walk, th- there was no one at the door that we saw. Like, there wasn't a line or anything. I think it was just people who had knocked, and then, you know, oh, it's someone's in there, and then walked away. But I'm like limping away. But then I'm like slowly correcting my limp. Are you you like Kaiser Soze? Like Like from the usual suspects. So then I was like met up with the woman and was like, all right, that was pretty unexpected and wild. All right. Well, like then, you know, we, she had to go catch her flight. And so, Mm -hmm. and I had to go catch my flight at this point. So we split up and I'm like, again, I'm pretty intoxicated at this point. I'm like walking up to my gate and then I hear, like, this is like five minutes after this. I hear uh-huh. Chris. And I look over and it's Bernie. Oh, God. Bernie Burns. And I was like, hey. And in my head, I was like, did he see me, like, making out at the bar? <laughs> like, what? And it was in a random city that neither, I mean, obviously we were flying to Austin, but it was some random city. Right. And I had this, like, conversation with him. And I think I was also, my luggage had broken at some point. So I was dragging this like broken <laughs> luggage cart thing around. Like it, it's, it's like it didn't have a handle. I was like pulling like and we were talking about that. And then he ended up saying he would give me his old bag of luggage. It was very nice. And I like got on the plane and then passed out. And then I woke up. And I was like, what did that happen? Was all that real or did was I dream it, that? Was it a dream? Yeah. That's wild. That was like a weird airport experience because it was yeah. like both a random occurrence and a random like crazy thing to this day chris is still not sure if it really happened yeah <laughs> yeah i do have the luggage though bernie <laughs> did follow up he did give me the the luggage so that part happened i feel like a, a good travel t- they, 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 believe it or not your story reminded me of a good travel tip mm-hmm. if you do know you're going to be delayed like let's say overnight or for multiple hours at a at an airport you can buy day passes at airport lounges and uh sometimes it's worth it to you you know, a day pass is typically 50 or 60 bucks, but inside the lounges, alcohol is usually free and mm. there's sometimes food. Uh, so like in your case, you know, if you're hmm. stuck somewhere for six hours, you're going to pay money at the bar anyway. It's like you may as well just buy the lounge pass, drink for free. Well, not for free, but, you know, drink and eat once you're in there. Plus, yeah. also they, they might have uh, bigger bathrooms if you meet anyone you're uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you hit it off with in there. 
That's a really good tip. Yeah, I learned that one a long time ago. My old my old job. Uh, yeah. if, if you're stuck somewhere, it, it's worth it. You know, it, it, it's 50 or 60 bucks. Obviously, is nothing to sneeze at. But if you're going to be stuck somewhere for six hours, it, it doesn't hurt. My bill for that bar was a lot. Right. That, that, that's kind of why I laughed a lot how inefficient it is to drink at an airport bar. Yeah. Well, I think uh, it's safe to say we've both seen our fair share of, uh, of strange things over the years in airports, Chris. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, trust me, I have plenty more uh we could talk about but i think it's uh we've 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 gone on long enough it's about time to go ahead and uh, and wrap this one up maybe in the future people like this we can tell more stories uh again from our our various travels i was making a list before this and i have a few (laughs) what's funny is before we started i had a list of things i want to talk about but then i got sidetracked thinking of other stories i know (laughs) like you would say something and it would remind me and i'd go off on a tangent i've got tons more written down yeah If people like it, uh, they should uh, let us know on social media at BlackBoxDownPod on Twitter and Instagram. I try to be pretty diligent about checking our social media stuff. So give us a shout, uh, tag us, tell your friends to give us a listen. Uh, But let them know not all our episodes are like this. This one's slightly unusual. And also, I want to give a shout out to... uh we have a, a Roosh Teeth, our a company we work for, has a new podcast that uh, the trailer is out. It's a new show called The Real Canon. It's hosted uh, by our coworker, John Reisinger, and also uh, Charles Pulliam. from. Uh, he's a staff writer at io9 and Gizmodo. It's like a nerd culture deep dive podcast where they uh, talk about stories defining canon. Just search for The Real Canon wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, or you can follow them on social media at Real Canon Pod. Uh, highly recommend it. The f- first episode's great. Uh, it should be coming out in about a week. And uh, they talk all about uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, subscribe now. That way you get it the second it's available. Yeah. Uh, but as always, uh, we're still here. So <laughs> thanks for listening to us. And hopefully you check uh, The Real Canon out as well and uh, give them some love too. Uh, but until next time, bye. Bye.